Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another great episode. Just got back from a great vacation with the family, still recuperating from that. We went to Niagara Falls. That place is beautiful, but also kind of overwhelming. I'll tell you more about it, but first, let me thank you for being here. Thank you for your continued support. If you haven't subscribed, please do. If you haven't given a five-star rating, please do, as it means a lot to us, and we appreciate it so much. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at an immigrant's life. If you want to reach out and send us a message, that'll be the best way to do so. Oh, we also have an email address. It's animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. I've been getting a lot of uh, emails, people reaching out, wanting to come on the podcast, saying hi, and all this stuff. I really do appreciate it. So I hope that continues, and please don't hesitate. Whatever you want to say, positive, negative, holla at me, you know? Now, let me get back to me and my family's trip to Niagara. As I was saying, the Niagara Falls and the American Falls are beautiful. Just staring at it remind how weak and insignificant you are compared to the power of nature. But it will also give you an appreciation with life. It's also overwhelming because it felt like Las Vegas. Uh, I've never been to Vegas, but I'm pretty sure it'll be almost like that, a la max. A lot of drunk people walking the street, drivers are too aggressive, and it's super expensive. But you know what? I had fun. My family had fun. And I made new memories with my family. So that's what matters to me. Having said all that, I would still suggest for you to visit it. It's something to see and experience Niagara Falls' full beauty and power. Actually, I was driving up there. I was thinking, like, how would, like, the first European person seeing the falls, you know? Like, the full power of it, the immensity of it. That guy's probably losing his shit, you know what I mean? Anyways, that's for my week. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. This episode is our 99th episode. Wow. I am still amazed and proud that we're still out here grinding and sharing these wonderful stories of immigration. This week's guest is such a powerhouse. She's like the Niagara Falls, actually. Beautiful and powerful. We talk about her experiences growing up at a third culture kid, feeling parental pressure for being the first daughter of an Azerbaijani and Uzbek household. Oh, by the way, speaking of all that, I'd like to say Happy Independence Day this Thursday to all my Uzbek friends. I've had so much friends from Uzbekistan and they are one of the kindest and most supportive people I know. So, again, Happy Independence Day my bestie Johns, enjoy your celebration. 
Okay, I think I've said enough for today. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a makeup artist and a digital creator. She's as pretty as a daisy and sweet like strawberry. The queen dame of the Danes. Everyone, please welcome Lana Rusic. Hi. How are you, Erin? I'm great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. By the way, before we get on, why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you? You can reach me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Lana Copenhagen. And you can reach me on TikTok at Lana Rusic. And I also have a YouTube account, uh, Lana Rusic TV. Mm, I love your page, by the way. It's one of my favorite pages Thank to follow. Thank you so much. Because it's so colorful and your, like, your acting is awesome. I like that too. And Thank you. I love the transitions, you know, when you do. Yeah. Do you plan these things? Like, do you write them down or you mentioned offline that you write a lot. So do you plan the posts that you do? Um, actually, some of them I do plan out. I come up with ideas from whatever I've experienced in real life. It could be like family related or let's say something from a wedding that I've attended. So for instance, you know, I attended my friend's Iraqi wedding like two years ago. And that was so surprising because I'm not from that culture. So I picked up some some things that I, I still haven't made a TikTok because I haven't had time. Um, but I'm definitely trying to plan it out now because you need to change clothes so many times, right? I have to be in different roles, like the mother-in-law and some random guy tries to play the drums and so on. But yeah, I mean, some of the trends I just uh, pick up from TikTok and I remake them my own my own version. But also, um, so my birthday was two weeks ago and as a, as a present, as a gift from me to my followers, I decided to create some TikTok videos in Uzbek language because a lot of my followers, they sometimes reach out saying, oh, okay, you were born and raised in Denmark, but do you actually speak Uzbek? And I do. So I wanted to demonstrate that as a, as a part of my TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And I do write. I, 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 make, I actually write the manuscript myself. Uh, both in Uzbek, so especially when I make the Uzbek TikToks, yeah, I write and uh, I shoot and I do the makeup and the setting, everything, the editing as well. I do it myself, but it's so much fun. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I mean, I'm glad I'm enjoy watching it, but I know the logistics behind. It. I'm like, yo, I will never do something like this. Oh, I used to say that to myself. I because I'm a very shy person by nature. I don't like to be um, in a, how to say it. I mean, I, I enjoy, I thrive being in the public eye, but more as a figure, you know, a quiet figure, mm. not so much talking, but that's something that I've been working on for many years. But as for the TikToks, that's different because I'm not being myself exactly. So people can't really judge me based on the acting. It's simply acting and stepping into the role that I'm showing in my TikToks. Just like the mother-in-law when I play that role or, um, you know, you've probably seen it on, on my account. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, but you mentioned that, you know, you, you're not being yourself, but, you know, you cannot help people. And uh, people will think that that is you, that is your persona. 
yeah but it's still a different character i i'm mm-hmm. still dressing up i'm i'm not making those uh, let's say fact videos which is i'm considering by the way because there's so much going on and people they um they entertain me in the comment section you know i give them the entertainment by making funny videos and then people they they blow up the comment section so i want to create videos and as an answer to that for example i had a video um with all the things that west asians die for and then i had pictures of different cuisine you know desserts like lahmacun uh, and lavashag and all that and especially the georgians they started arguing with each other saying <laughs> no the the republic of georgia not the us state but the republican caucasus region they started saying no we are europeans georgia is a eastern european country and others were like no it's in west asia and so on and it's uh it's quite challenging for me to sit down and and talk about this topic whether georgia is in europe or asia so that that requires me to be myself you know but but the funny videos that i do that's slightly different it's just it's just comedy you know Mm-hmm. It is comedy. By the way, before I forget, happy birthday. Thank you so much. So you're what, 29? Yes, but I feel like 23. Still. That's what matters. I'm I'm 40 and I don't feel 40. I feel like mm-hmm. I would say I'm around um, late 20s, maybe early 30s. Yeah, it's all about how you feel at heart. Yeah, that's what that's what it means. Um so I ask I say that because when I was turning 40, like a few days or maybe a few weeks before the 40, I was like self-reflecting. I was asking myself like, man, 40 is awesome. Like you reach 40. A lot of people doesn't even reach 40, you know. How are you going to approach 40? I told myself and I told myself uh, grateful. I am grateful. That is how I approach. And from turning turn 40 to forward, hopefully, I want to approach life. I've been doing gratefulness before that, but I've approached like life more as like more open, more like adventures and like less worry about money. You know, it's a privilege for me to say that. So I say these things because I was, now I'm going to ask you like, how are you approaching 29 or even next year you're going to be three zero? Well, as they say, 30s are the new 20s. So, I'm I'm grateful that you know for for my life and just in general I'm I'm grateful for living in a country where first and foremost I think this is something that many people forget we have access to clean water we have access to clean air that's not polluted mm. electricity and yeah I I'm very privileged in general for to live in a country like Denmark and I'm forever grateful that it was it was destiny that my parents ended up here mm-hmm. yeah but but I'm just I'm just focusing on myself and my goals you know so. what are those goals in terms of education and career because I'm back at university now I'm studying again and uh but yeah, I'm not sure if I can talk about my next move because you're not allowed to say that, right? I don't want to jinx it or anything because mm-hmm. I believe in evil eye. I still have my Turkic side, so 
That's okay. You don't see that's I, I like that you said that because I feel like that's two cultures colliding, right? Like, oh, I believe in exactly. an evil eye and I'm you're not supposed to say your goal. But then the Western idea is no, say your goal, manifest it. Manifest in silence, yeah. And let the success speak for itself. Let the success make the noise. Mm, I love that. Yes, you're definitely correct. I, I it's funny because I going to your TikTok like I'm actually a very introverted person. Like I'm, I'm a very private person. Even though I have a podcast, and I try to explain to people, it's like, oh, I'm a very private person, and they're like, you have a podcast. I'm like, I know, but you won't, you know, you won't see me say private things there. I do. I tell stories, but it's it's a it's a different delineation. You know what I mean? Exactly, but that's the same with me. I'm also a very private person. I'm very shy by nature. So what I what people see in public, that's simply what I choose to show them. Mm-hmm, definitely, you mentioned about Denmark, and there's one thing that's very unique with you is like you're the first Uzbek to be born in Denmark. Yes, that was confirmed by the officials. Uh, my mom came here as a newly newly married bride in nineteen ninety two. And uh, they told her that she's the first Uzbek resident in Denmark. And I was born the following year. So, uh, yes, I'm most probably the, the first Uzbek to be born in Denmark. But I'm not fully Uzbek. So. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, we are all half of something, right? Yeah, we're all mixed. We're all mixed. That's, those are the best ones, the mixed ones. Because the purebred, they're yeah. not so good. I'm not putting them down. It's just... You know, uh, even science says so that you should mix to improve, you know, improve yourself, improve, you know, not just the looks, even your health, right? Right. Speaking of mix, what's your mix in your uh, DNA? I know you did some DNA tests lately. Tell me what's up. What happened? Yes, it was in the fall of 2020. I because I had been wondering what am I actually my mom and I had been talking about is and um so I decided to take a DNA test, and I also have a video on this on my YouTube channel. Mm. Turned out that I am 52% West Asian, um, 26.9% Central Asian, 8.3% South Asian, 6.1% Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and <laughs> almost 5% Jewish, and then 2% Mesoamerican. Wow. Like yeah, but I think that's related to Siberian. That's yeah, but the, it, it it covered when you when you look at the world map, it it covers half of the world. So, I, yeah, I like to call myself a child of the world after all. That's amazing, man. When did you do the the DNA test? Were you not worried that hey, I'm giving these people, this company, my DNA? Oh my gosh, so many people do it. Why would they make clones out of my DNA? Well, not just about DNA, just personally. information. No, because so many people do it anyway. I think for me, it was more important to find out what I actually am because so mm. many people kept asking me and it, it, it's been bothering me for so many years. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, when, when when people ask, where are you from? I, I, like, I say that I'm from Denmark, right? I was born and raised in Denmark. So I'm, I'm technically not an immigrant, but I was born into an immigrant family, mm. um, immigrant parents. But um, so my mom is from Uzbekistan. She's from Tashkent. 
the capital city, and she's mixed with Tajik and Jewish from my grandfather's side. Mm. And then my father is born and raised in Iran, actually, but he's ethnically Azerbaijani. So, yeah, two worlds, mm-hmm. two different worlds. That's awesome, man. Why did your mom decide to move, or I guess your dad, move to Denmark? Well, it was after the revolution. So the revolution in Iran was in 1979. Mm. But I think his family didn't let him leave at first. But eventually he did because my uncle decided to come with him. So they went to Turkey first and stayed there for a few years, I think. Mm. I don't know how many years. And then they relocated to Denmark. It was pure chance. They wanted to leave the Islamic regime because because of how Iran was before and after. Of course. It, yeah, it changed completely. Went from being kind of like a free society to, to being very Islamic. Yeah. yeah. For sure. How did your mom met your dad? It was on a business trip. So my mom is a um, she's an educated choreographer, and she pursued a career in showbiz after she graduated. And uh, one of her mentors was Nasiba. What was her name? I have to, no Ziada Madrahimova. She's the mother of uh, an Uzbek singer named Otabek Madrahimov. I'm sure that Uzbeks know him. Hmm. So. My mom used to travel to former former Soviet countries with her dance group. And in the summer of 1992, they, were, they went to Riga, Latvia. And my father also happened to be there at that time. And he actually saw her on the stage when she was dancing. And later he decided to approach her. And that's how things started, basically. And my mom was very picky. You know, she was... <laughs> she has always been a very strong woman with strong boundaries. And she told my dad, if if you want something serious, I want you to travel to Uzbekistan to ask for my hand in marriage. And that's what he did. Mm. And back then, since it was still... So Uzbekistan had recently become a, a, an independent nation, but it was still under Soviet influence mm. with Soviet rules. And so it was quite difficult for my dad to take my mom out of Uzbekistan because they needed they needed him to provide the documents saying that he was unmarried, that he was going to marry her for the right reasons and not just for whatever. I mean, he had to go through so much hassle. I feel bad for him, actually, but he didn't give up. He he did provide all the documents that were, that, that were needed. And yeah, they got married in Tashkent and had a big wedding. And then my mom had to move to Denmark because at that time, I think my dad was still waiting for his Danish passport. Mm. And so he could not move abroad. And my mom said, I actually don't want to give up my career. But since she's a woman, she had to follow her husband. So she ended up coming to Denmark. Wow. What a beautiful love story. You mentioned she's a woman. You have to follow your husband. Do you follow Mm. that too? Or no? Well, I'm a mix of both Scandinavian and post-Soviet. So although although I do believe in gender equality in some points, but I'm still a very traditional person myself. So hmm. when it comes to marriage, it really depends on who I'm going to marry. Because if I meet someone here in Denmark, whether he's a foreigner or a local, most probably we're going to stay 
end up staying in Denmark. But if, let's say, if he gets a really nice job in a foreign country and wants to move abroad, most probably I will follow him. I mean, of course, that's because, also marriage. Uh, yeah, because I also want to, you know, I want to support my future husband. I want to be there for him. And that's what we women are known for, right? We are known for being caring and nurturing. And yeah. I love that. I love that you say like when that's where known for, which is true, you know, and obviously now the feminist movement are saying like, no, 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 you know, we're women, we're women, we're strong, we can do all things, which is true. You guys can do pretty much all the things, but then you have this still people like you that like, no, 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 you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we support our men. Exactly. And I think that women have to be very careful with this feminism because by pushing this feminism on men, you, I mean, you take away the masculinity from men. They feel, you guys feel useless. That's not how it should be. At the end of the day, we do need the men. And um, if I may mention, I used to be very Danish because, you know, I, I was born and raised in the city of Olbo, located in nor northern Jutland, which is the region with the least, I mean, the smallest concentration of immigrants. Hmm. So I grew up very, very much like a Dane, Danish person. All of my classmates were ethnically Danes. And so I was very, very much whitewashed. And in 2017, I traveled to Baku, to Azerbaijan, because I was, at that time, I was enrolled in a different program and I was very active in a student organization that focused on sustainable uh, management and economics mm. so they had a conference coming up in Baku and I traveled there that was a game changer because <laughs> I went from that one week in Baku was truly just like a therapy and mm. to reconnect with my roots and it was it changed the whole game because I went from being this very Danish strong independent woman thinking oh I can pay for myself. I'm. I can carry my suitcases downstairs to being treated like a queen. The guys there, they would remind me, "Yes, we know you are strong, independent, but we still want to offer you our help." They they would help me carry my suitcases down the stairs. You know, they never let me pay. And yeah, I I kind of realized that okay, maybe I should change a few things about myself to become more feminine, to be more vulnerable, because guys seem to like that. Of course, that's what we are. We take care of the women and the women take care of us in a, you know, a different way, you know? Like, yeah. like with my wife, I still open the door of the car when she's sitting, not all the Gentleman. time. Not all the time. <laughs> not all the time, relax. But most of the time I still do. And sometimes she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm opening the door. You should say thank you, you know. But she's an independent woman, you know what I mean? Or sometimes, you know, the purse, she carries the purse. Sometimes I carry it and she's like, no, you look, you know, doesn't look good. I'm like, I don't care. You're tired. I'm carrying it, you know. But, hey, listen, I'm for equality. However, I also feel like there's still, like, gender roles. You know what I mean? Not because, oh, by the way, you're a woman. You're supposed to be doing it. It's just like... You're a woman, you're usually good at these things, so do those things. You know what I mean? Exactly. According to biology, men will never be able to get pregnant and give birth. That's a woman's <laughs> job. And when people talk about gender equality, 
all the way to the fingers fingertips i'm thinking oh you also want to carry the baby 50% of the time for four and a half months that's not possible right mm. trust me i do not want any babies like we i have two kids and trust me i seeing my wife carry those grow those babies inside her ugh, no way never <laughs> i'm terrified by the thought of having kids you don't want kids no to be honest no i actually don't want since i was 12 i've told my parents do mm. not expect grandkids from me you have my sister for that <laughs> why don't you want kids i'm just terrified i'm terrified by the thought of being pregnant and giving birth you know all the pain and the responsibility and i see mothers all the way with you know children crying and you need to comfort them. I, I just don't think that I'm patient enough for that. Mm. I'm sure you are once, uh, if it ever happens, obviously. And I tell people all the time, like I have a few friends that women that are like, I don't want to have kids. Like, yeah, don't have kids. We're good. We're covered. We got 7 billion people, you know. Exactly. Unfortunately, the people that say that I don't want kids are the ones that I want to have kids because they're powerful, independent women. So we talk about marriage. What if you meet a dude and say, yo, I want kids? Mm, good question. Well, then our goals don't align. Then we are not the right match. <laughs> Deal breaker, huh? Yeah, because at this age, I know what I want in a partner and in life. So mm -hmm. if he says that, Listen, I'm not looking for just another padrushka, which means like female friend. Mm. You you need to be my wife or and, and give me babies within the next two two years or we're not going to happen. Then, yeah, let's just end it. I'm sorry. Then mm -hmm. he's not what I'm looking for in a partner. Yeah, I guess so. But are you single, if you don't want me asking? I'm, yeah, I'm single. What's up with the face? No, I'm just... Uh, you cannot force love or anything, so I'm just focusing on myself. What kind of men are you looking for? Are you looking for like a Danish man or are you looking for like Central Asian? Oh my God. I've never been attracted to to uh, Scandinavian Danish guys because I grew up with them. I grew up watching them. And as for Central Asians, I don't know. I mean, if he's hot, why not? But <laughs> <laughs> the looks are super important to me. But for some reason, Central Asian guys, they have bad reputation. I'm, I'm sorry to expose the Central Asian guys who are <laughs> listening right now. Um, yeah, they are just raised into this patriarchy. And they, in the beginning, it, it might go from being healthy jealousy, but it's it will escalate real quick to being them being ter territorial and controlling. They think they own the woman. That's not how it should be. It's not ownership. It's partnership. You should, you should still give each other space and respect each other and trust, which, yeah, be, be honest and trustworthy. I think that's very important. Of course, I agree. But you know, you know who would give you space? Danish men. But they are too cold, you know, when... I like to say that when people from my culture, when we love, we love really hard with mm. passion and we feel the fire. For some reason, I just don't feel like that with Scandinavians. They are so cold. 
I need someone with culture. I need someone who is expressive and yeah, you know, more like spicy spice. with fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're looking for, word spice. I was just going to say. Yeah. But yeah, I understand. Like, isn't it funny that like you grew up there and you're looking for, you know, someone with spice, right? And mm-hmm. then so there are some people that grew up in countries that have spice looking for like, I don't know, Danish men or white men, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because I, I literally grew up with Danes and I've always, um, I've always been craving my culture because it was so rare. You don't really need Uzbeks uh, or Azerbaijanis here, especially in my region, mm-hmm. in uh, in Olbo. It, it's just so rare. So when I when I finally meet people from my parents' culture, I just get so hyped up and I get so excited. And they satisfy me culturally. That cultural satisfaction is so important to me. And, and yeah, if they understand, or even if, if I meet someone who knows about, let's say, Uzbekistan, you have my heart, <laughs> okay? But I, I ask for the women who grew up abroad, let's say, in Central Asia, hmm. they might want to be with Western guys because they're so fed up with all the patriarchy and the toxicity that comes with, you know, yeah, the guys who have bad reputation. Sorry to expose them once again, but yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You're not the first one who says that. Like, yeah, of course, you know, like you, cause you know them, you know, the, you know, the deal, you know, the moves, you know what I mean? Like you with your Danish dudes, yeah. like, you know how they work. Speaking of that, you growing up in Denmark, you being Danish and you feeling Danish, but mm-hmm. did you feel Danish though? Or did people make you feel Danish or they always remind you that, oh, by the way, you're not one of us? Oh my God, this has been, this has probably been the greatest challenge of my life because hmm. growing up when I was in kindergarten, all I wanted to was just to fit in and to be treated like any other Danish kid, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you might have seen this meme on Instagram or Facebook. And there is a quote saying, oh, I didn't know I was this and that until you told me. So the world seen with my eyes, I see the things just like any other things would, would see. Mm-hmm. But it's until someone tells me, oh, but you don't look Danish. Oh, but you have dark hair. You have dark eyes and I'm like oh really okay now I just realized that on the outside you know I have other spices in my blood hmm. so yeah I think it's all about how you see yourself I've always considered myself very Danish and it starts with you because if you accept yourself as whatever let's say Danish then yeah others will accept you like that too and that was when I was living in Aalborg and later moved to Copenhagen the capital city I would say most of my identity crisis problems were solved because then I was fitting in without anyone kind of pointing fingers at me like, oh, you're an immigrant or whatever. Mm. But I felt like I was being a part of this multicultural society that Copenhagen is basically. But still, I would get asked so many times, but oh, where are you really from? But I think that's a general question that everyone is asked because there are so many tourists, there are so many expats and international students mm-hmm. as for the institution where i'm studying copenhagen business school i think that one has the most international students and it's so amazing that you just meet you get to meet people from uh, different cultures crisscross it's amazing so yeah 
But I think when people ask me in Copenhagen, where you're really from, they're just interested in my culture. And maybe because of my features, they cannot really tell. Because most people, they cannot guess my ethnicity correctly. They would guess, uh, oh, Turkish or Persian or Serbian, you know, Ukrainian mm -hmm. even. Yeah, I, I, I see that. But I mean, do you get offended though when they, say, they ask you where you're from, where you really are from? Uh, sometimes it depends on how they say it, but it depends on the tone in their voice. Hmm. Because when Danes ask me, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Denmark. No, but where are you really, really from? Oh, I was born in Olbo, now living in Copenhagen. And uh, the only place that I've migrated from is literally the hospital. <laughs> but, but maybe they should, I, I then tell them, maybe you should change your question and ask me where your parents from. And then they say, well, your parents could even be from Denmark. And I asked them, what if I was adopted? Would you still ask me this question? And they would, no, but then you would have a Danish name. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. If I ask a question, I usually say, what's your heritage? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's I usually, or somebody asked me, like, hey, where are you from? Like, oh, you mean, what's my heritage? Because I think that's more, it's like, it encompasses what, it, what they really want to ask, right? Like you said, like yes. when somebody asks, like, where are you from? No, no, where are your parents from? But, but no, 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 it just continues and continues. But if you say, like, what's your heritage? Case closed. You know what I mean? I saw a post of you saying you're a professional flower girl. Oh, yeah. So I went to Turkey. No, sorry, I'm not supposed to say Turkey anymore. It's Turkey because the, the, the country has officially changed its name. I went to Turkey, to Bursa with my parents in 1998 and we were passing by I think we we went to a mall and I was so obsessed with weddings and wedding dresses back then and um, I spotted a wedding dress and then the, the lady from the shop came out and she was like hi little girl uh do you like these dresses come in you, 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 we have some for your size too and then I started trying on those wedding dresses and we ended up my parents ended up buying the one um from that shop that you know for the child size for my size and after that we would attend some weddings in sweden and germany and i think after after some people seeing me wearing that dress and being the flower girl they would call my parents and ask hey is it okay that we can borrow your daughter for our wedding we want her to be our flower girl <laughs> and that they would then give me, you know, they wouldn't pay me, but they would give me gifts as a thank you. So That's beautiful. I love the story. Yeah. In the beginning, I liked it, but later on, I felt exhausted. I, it didn't feel, uh, it, it wasn't pleasant anymore after a while, because I was just sitting there next to the bride and groom, and all I wanted was just to play with the other kids. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Going back to your um, growing up, what was the challenges that you faced as an interracial child? Mm, that people would always think that, my, that I don't speak Danish at home, which is true. Or they would think I might have challenges speaking Danish, but I don't think that was the case. So I remember in school, my teacher would always say, oh, I signed you up for extra classes. And it wasn't like language class or anything, just 
doing some activities, what I think was so unnecessary and useless because I thought that my Danish was good, but maybe I was just lazy. And that's why it, the papers that the assignments I had to write in Danish, they weren't as good. And that's, they took it as, oh, but you, you might be, your, your Danish might not be as good as the other kids. I mean, a Danish, my classmate could have been just as lazy and not being, you know, not wanting to write the paper, just hand in whatever. Mm. And they wouldn't blame, blame that kid for being bad mm. at Danish. So, yeah. But, but also people would look at me in a different way and say, I mean, it, it was probably, it, 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 it didn't come from my teachers or my classmates. It was mostly my parents. They said, you, you as a, as a child of immigrants born in this country, you are not, you're not exactly Danish, but you are not from our country either. You're in between. So you have to be twice as perfect. Mm. And I had to live up to those expectations. Mm -hmm. My parents were always telling me in a harsh way, you have to do well in school because they shouldn't look at us and, and think we are lazy, that we aren't good and we are ungrateful for this country for accepting us. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Really uncomfortable. Because I could have, uh, let's say, I, I would come home with a paper and saying, oh, I got a 10. It's because, you know, the, the grading system is a bit different than in North America. We have 12, which is the best grade, and then you have 10 and then 7. Mm-hmm. So 10 being the, the second best grade, I, I would come home and say, oh, I got a 10. And uh, my classmates, they would uh, they would root for me. They, they were so happy, you know, on, on my behalf. But my parents would say, why didn't you get a 12? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's not good enough. It is like, not good enough. <laughs> just, just give me some credit, okay? I really tried hard. I, hmm. I, I really did my best for this. Yeah, to do well in this assignment. And do you answer back or no? Because you get hit. I would just tell them in, in, instead of uh, instead of telling me this and be ungrateful for this result. Just give me credit. Mm-hmm. Give me a gift, okay? I I got a ten. I'm actually happy with the result. I can get a twelve in the future. Mm-hmm. And what did I they say? You always nothing. They won't say anything. No, they were like, "Okay, cool, well done." <laughs> hey, at least they don't beat you up. No. Did you ever get hit as a child of an immigrant? Oh, uh, am I supposed to say this? Hey, man, it's it happened. <laughs> it's your story. Yeah, it 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 did happen. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Oh, I know. You don't have to answer. And, then, and, and, and it was a part of the, we say terbia, like vaspitania. It's, it's a part of raising the kids. If you mm. don't get beaten up as a, as a child, you will not learn how to behave. And you, you won't learn how to respect your parents. Mm-hmm. But I was really, I was scared of my parents in a way that I, I respected them so much. And I still do. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that if I didn't behave, it could go wrong. I could get beaten up again. So I was doing everything in my power to avoid that. Of course. What kind of beatings did you get? Oh, I don't remember. Belt, 
stick. Oh, <laughs> the hand most of the time. <laughs> a hand? Come on, that's not beating. Come on, girl, that's a layup. I will take a or, hand all day. Or, or, or uh, the sleeper. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's easy. Come on. But, that, but that's not even allowed in Denmark. You I can know. go to jail for beating up your children. Did you ever think of like telling the your teacher, like, hey, by the way, my mom hits me once in a while? Yeah, I would tell my parents, if you do that once again, I'm going to go tell my classmates and my teachers. And I actually did that. And? So if, if my classmates are listening to this, they... They can relate to it. They know everything. Yeah. Did your mom get in trouble or no? No. For for some reason, it just it it didn't get that far. Mm-hmm. Do you feel scarred because of those hitings, or do you approach it like it's part of growing up? I'm against beating children, and mm-hmm. if I ever have children myself, I would never do that in that way. I would probably. Uh, lock them up in in their room, and be like, "You you're not coming out of your room until until you realize your mistake and you apologize." But no, I, I beating is it's not the right way of raising your children. Mm-hmm. What I think has traumatized me the most was probably the pressure from my parents because mm-hmm. being not just the firstborn child but also being the first daughter in the household is not easy, and I'm sure that. If 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 the listener now is from a Central Asian household or South Asian, or even Kafkazi or West Asian, they can probably relate to this. It's not easy being first daughter. We had, uh, I mean, I had so much pressure compared to my sister. Hmm. And when I look at when I compare me and my sister now, obviously, she doesn't have so much childhood trauma as I do. Hmm. Why do? You, why is it so much pressure for the firstborn daughter? I don't know why exactly the, the firstborn, because I, I think that the firstborn has to be a role model. We mm. have to set a good example for the younger siblings. Mm-hmm. But is it like, is it for daughter and son as well, or only for daughters? Mostly daughters. Really? Because daughters, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the boys, they are, in general, they have more freedom. They can go out. They can you know, go out drinking or they just have more freedom. But girls are kept very strictly uh, mm-hmm. the, the way they are raised. And also because we learn how to do house course early on mm-hmm. uh, from the age of, I don't know, it's different from family to family, but could easily be from the age of eight, nine. You have to start vacuuming, vacuum cleaning, doing the dishes, the laundry, cooking, everything. You know, mm-hmm. It starts early on. Yeah. And also babysitting the younger siblings. I, I helped raising my sister mm. when my parents were working full time. I would pick up my sister, uh, you know, cook for her, give her her meals. And yeah, my mom always said, you are the responsible. If she runs outside, you have to go with her. If she wants to play outside, you have to be there, watch her so she doesn't fall or she doesn't run away or whatever. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? I felt like a part of my freedom was taken away from me because I also had things to do. I had my homework to do and my sister wanted to go out and play and 
I, I, ju- I just wanted alone time, mm. not constantly be responsible for my sister. But it was only until my parents came home. So, and until she grew up. Yeah, but still, it take away your childhood yourself, you know? Exactly. Have you reconciled that with your parents or even with yourself? I have talked about it with my mom. And she said, well, we didn't know better back then. We couldn't have done it else, I mean, in, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then I used to tell my mom, at least hire a nanny. And she said, I don't trust anyone. Why would I hire a, a for, I mean, a stranger to, 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 to take care of my child when I, she had me? Yeah. But did that make you feel like, because I, I, for me, that sounded like they're just brushing off how you felt and your experience. Did that make you feel the same way? When? That when your mom says, oh, "Well, I, I don't, I don't know what to do." I mean, that's the best thing I could do. Yeah, basically, I I felt like she wasn't listening to my needs, or she was like, "Oh, you need to grow up, or you you need to get yourself together. Don't don't BS me now." She she was always like that. Have you got a therapist for this? No, I'm, my journal is my therapist. And mm. just talking with my girlfriends, yeah, and talking talking to others who come from a similar background, we are there for each other, even though I, I haven't met some of them. you know, I just know them online from TikTok and from Instagram, but we have so much in common, and we can relate, so we usually just talk things out and we support each other. but this is one thing that I cannot talk with talk about with my Danish friends because they cannot relate to it. They had a different upbringing. And um, also, I think that the power distance was something that bothered me very much because I would go to my friend's house and see the parents, you know, just sitting down, play play games with their children. There's uh, the power distance is very low in Denmark, in Danish families. But in in my culture, There is a there is a high. I mean, the power distance is high. You need you have to respect the parents. Children play with children, so yeah, that's one thing that I wish it could have changed sooner. But after my parents divorced, my mom decided to change herself for the better. So she became more like a friend to me and my sister. She would talk to us. Uh, she would talk to me like a friend, and say that. She she wanted to become more like to, to have this friend like relationship with me and if there's one anything I want to talk about she is open to listen and if something happens like an accident I should just tell her she promised not to ask me questions but she would be there for me and ever since then our bond has been strong so yeah it's great to hear it sounds like. It wasn't really your parents or your mom. It sounded like it's more of your dad. Yeah, very much. Uh, yeah, I I cannot really say why he's like that. I think many many guys they just grow up to be this macho macho guy, and they want to be the head of the family, and they want to have all the power. Yeah, but th- there should be boundaries. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm not that like that at all. Yeah, there are part. There are things that like we talked about earlier that like, yeah, this is like this is gonna be my decision. But I'm. It's a fifty-fifty situation, you know. Actually, no, I'm lying. It's sometimes sixty-forty, sometimes seventy-thirty. It depends, you know. Sometimes the wife says, "Oh, let's buy this." I'm like, I guess, you know. Or sometimes then I'll say something and like, "Oh, we should buy this because of this and this," and she'll be like, "I guess so." You know what I mean? Like it's a balance. It's not fifty-fifty because fifty-fifty is not gonna solve anything. Exactly. It has to be. There has to be dominant. That doesn't have to be like the uh, the husband all the time or the woman of all the time. It has to be, you know, give and take, right? Yeah, I like the way the Greeks do it. How do they do it? So Greeks usually say in the household, the the woman, the mother, is the dominant role, and mm. when you are outside or out, then it's the man who is the dominant. <laughs> I like that. For uh, Filipinos, well, my wife is Canadian. I'm mm-hmm. uh, obviously Filipino. In Filipino culture, we call fathers as the the foundation of the house, and the women are the light of the house. Makes sense. So our culture—that's one thing I'm proud about. My culture is like we're very equal. You know, there are gender roles, yes, but we're very equal. So we're talking about. Passed down trauma from your mom to you, right? And you mentioned about pressure from your parents. You're 29. In yes. your culture, you should be married by now and have kids. Yeah, that's true. Yes, and I even made a TikTok video about it uh, on the occasion of my 29th birthday. Mm. But, you know, it, it, I live in Denmark. That's the, that's the main reason why I'm not married. Uh, <laughs> another reason, I guess I just haven't met the one yet. Mm-hmm. And it's not my fault, but truly, I mean, when you, if you compare Denmark with Uzbekistan, for example, yeah, in Denmark, we, it, it's just a different society. Okay, it's all about, you know education is free because we pay high taxes and all that, so education is free, and uh, healthcare is free, and that's why everyone is so established when it comes to education. It's all about oh educate yourself, get your diploma and all that work, have a career and marriage, it, it, it won't, you don't need to rush. It will happen when it's, when it's going to happen. So it, it just wasn't for me. Like it, it didn't happen, but in Uzbekistan, it's, um, times have changed since the collapse of the USSR back then. The system was more like the Danish system. Education was free and everyone was so honest and um, they didn't marry for money like they do today. Now that you, they are most, they are more likely to marry for status and money. Hmm. While back then, people would marry for love. So, if I can mention my own family as an example, uh, for instance, arranged marriages are so rare in my family. Uh, all of my aunts and uncles, they have chosen their own partner, and everyone has had a love marriage. Even you know, even my parents, and um, but but now children, I mean, especially girls, they are just given away to be married because because of the economic situation. Unfortunately, the majority of you know the majority of the population they are poor. They they just want to give up, give away their daughter to be married because they don't want to provide for them anymore. They don't have 
the resources. So, so yeah, it's like even though it's you, you free yourself from a burden when you give your give give away your daughter to be married, and that's why when you don't just I mean some people might meet their partner at school or somewhere, but we have this matchmaking process. We call it solche or enche. So they come to, it's it's usually an aunt of the guy who comes to the bride's home and they ask for a hand in marriage. And if she says yes, then they're going to get married after a few months. It's not even that long. Of, yeah, engagements are not that long in Uzbekistan. Because mm-hmm. there's no point. Because you know you're going to get married anyway. Yeah. Has your mom ever tried that on you? No, there, I'm not going to lie. There has been a lot of guys asking my mom, hey, I know you You have two daughters. I, I know the oldest one. Because, you know, my sister is the, the very much, my sister is the opposite of me. She's very private. She doesn't like to be in the public eye. She's not into social media and all that. But people, they know me. They know I exist. So they have asked my mom, well, I know your daughter is not married could we maybe arrange her with my son or whatever? And my mom immediately rejects them. If they're Uzbeks, you know, my mom being Uzbek herself, she didn't marry an Uzbek and she never wanted to. And she also tells me, I'm not going to give you away to be married to an Uzbek. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to marry an Uzbek either. I'm not attracted to them. But usually she rejects them. And then she comes to me and says, hey, there was one guy who was interested in you, but I just said no in advance. Is it okay with you? I'm like, yeah, mom, I don't care. Just You said you don't you don't want to get married with an Uzbek man, but you care if a man knows about the Uzbek culture. Yeah. There's disconnect there. Oh yeah. Just not Uzbek. It could be not even Central Asian anymore. Yeah. I mean he could be Azerbaijani because they are better looking and they are more open minded. Also, the other part of my, my my culture. But but yeah, I mean, my mom has always said, even if you marry a foreigner who knows about your culture, who who agrees to learn the language and get integrated, they're, they're actually going to get more respect than an Uzbek. So let's say if, um, if, if I, let's say just hypothetically, if I marry an Uzbek, obviously he would know the language and culture, right? But if I marry a foreigner who's going to pick up the language and learn about the culture, he would be more respected from my family, by my family than the Uzbek. Why? Because of the, because of the effort. Because it's so impressive when you take in a foreigner who is willing to learn about your culture and language. Mm-hmm. As long as they're not Danish. My mom has always told me, why don't you just find a Danish guy? They're less drama. They're not toxic. It's me who I'm not. I'm not into them. I'm not attracted to them. Okay. What if a Danish guy goes up to you and say, you know, like I like you. I want, you know, I want to date you. And then he started talking about Uzbekistan and all this, you know, the culture. It depends on his looks. His I mean, we're talking about ten. Is- we're talking about like Henry Cavill looks. Okay, if he's uh, if he's educated and comes from a good traditional family, like old man, old money family, you know, if he dresses like those, sure, I can try, but I don't think I will be 
attracted to them on the long run. Because <laughs> it doesn't have the spice? Maybe. But also because I'm very picky. I have a very specific type. And don't even get me started because when, when, when I see him, I will know. My heart will know. It's, it's going to be like the world stops, the time freezes, and I won't be able to take my eyes off him. Where is so, this guy? What does he look like? <laughs> maybe he's listening right now uh, and he doesn't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. What does he look like? Is, like? is it fair skin, dark skin, long hair? Well, I'm thinking of one person, but I don't know if I should expose him. <laughs> you don't have to say his name, but is this this guy? Is he your like close to you? Like he does he live in the same country? He's a famous football player. Oh, <laughs> I know this guy. <laughs> you post about him all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, actually, I post about a few because one of them is my friend, but it's not him. It's the other one, the famous one. Yeah. Mm, okay. So he that looks. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, I think it was 10 years ago. I, I was watching a football game and I just uh, I just spotted him and I was like, wait, what's his name? And I started Googling and yeah, he's at my age, but he got married five years ago. So if my future husband is listening to this, don't even worry because, you know, the footballer, he's married now with a child. So, yeah. You're funny. But have you been looking though? I'm not actively looking because that's not how you find love. It mm. will come to you when you least expect it. So I, I decided not even to try. I'm not going to look for it. Hey, you still have time, right? 29, 30. Plus, you don't care about having kids anyway, so you're good. Yeah. But I, I don't want to wait too long because... I, I'm thinking the the more I have to wait, the longer I have to wait, the more exclusive I want the wedding to be. Because I still want a wedding, right? I still want it to be exclusive. And with this fancy cake and big wedding dress. And yeah. Yeah, you're like that. Eh? I've noticed it on your... Extravagant. Like, exactly. Yeah. Why? I just grew up that like that, I guess. Your mom's like that too? No. Really, I mean, my parents had a big wedding, so. Hmm. But when I was about, I think, eleven or twelve, I didn't want a big, big wedding. I was so introverted and shy. So I remember telling my parents, if I ever get married, it, it has to be very intimate, just with intimate family members, you know, just twelve people or something. Hmm. But now I think I would probably invite around eighty people. It, it has doesn't ha when. When I say big wedding, I don't mean 500 guests. It could be mm. 60 or 70, 80 people. Mm. I just want it to look exclusive. Nice venue, huge wedding dress, huge cake. I want to feel like a queen. Mm, that's cool. You have anything more to say? Last remarks before we close out? I, no, I think that was it. That's good. All right. That's perfect. I mean, this has been a fun conversation. I really enjoyed this one. It was my pleasure. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. For sure. Bye. 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 Thank you again, Lana, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Doliosa for An Immigrant's Life. 
I'll see you guys later.